0: Hello and welcome to the Coastal Drone Podcast, brought to you by Canada's most successful drone training and certification provider, Coastal Drone Co. If you're looking to become a licensed drone pilot, please visit us at CoastalDrone.co to find out more information about our online, on-demand video training courses for everyone from beginners to professionals. This weekly podcast covers news, highlights, top questions, and open discussion around the drone industry in Canada and the rest of the world. Happy New Year's listeners and thanks for tuning in. Today is January 6, 2022. This is our 11th episode and first of the new year. My name is Ian Wills and today we're talking with Mark Watkins, our operations manager, about what's happened in the world of drones lately. Hey Mark, how you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks Ian. How are you doing?
0: Good. It's nice to be back virtually in the office and or (laughs) physically in the office, depending on where you are. It's a little bit snowy here in Cholac, so we're kind of back at the the Zoom call level at this point, but uh, it will be nice to be kind of avoiding some of the snowy commute sometimes.
1: I call it unseasonably snowy in Vancouver, but that basically just means no snow. So,
0: exactly,
1: <laughs> well, TV, you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> so we've got some exciting stuff. Uh, CES is this week. Um, so we're gonna do some highlights from that on the hardware side. You've got some news from around the world that we're gonna cover first off though. And then we'll talk about some top questions and discuss them in uh, near the end of the episode. And we've got some information about upcoming YouTube and some events. So let's start with the news there, Mark. You're talking about uh, hydrogen fuel drones.
1: Oh, actually, I think that was a CES uh, story, but the first uh, news story that I had oh, for yeah. this week so far was the uh, the, there's a large order of uh, agricultural drones that have been placed with a uh, an Indian company named, uh, let's see, they're called Garuda Aerospace. So um, they've had to scale up their operations and open up a couple of new factories to be able to f- uh, fulfill this order. But uh, obviously that's a huge number of drones and that's why I included it in this week's news uh, summary was because that's indicative of uh, <laughs> the, the, I would say that the tenants or the trend of the industry. Um, we're exploring new uses uh, constantly, and and I think the agricultural industry is uh, one that's ripe for uh, the data acquisition that drones can can offer. So I thought it was interesting to see how uh, how how large of a, an order it was, and it's nice to see that agriculture is also another industry that's sort of warming up to the use of drones.
0: So it looks like so you're saying there's thousands of drones being done here, and it's there's uh, something like three square kilometers in a day are being mapped. Uh, so five villages. And they've they're planning to do up to a thousand villages in a month, and it's yeah. it's not just aerial mapping; they're also looking at processing. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah, but eight thousand the drones. Um, they're saying 30, 30 drones per day are going to be manufactured, but they could do up to a hundred to one hundred and fifty. So that's drone adoption worldwide, and and the reason I think, like you said, it's it stands out is we've seen these big drone display fireworks events, and now we've got big swarms of mapping drones happening uh so that's pretty interesting
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: okay so um, under the next tier you you were talking about uh drones for safety yeah um, that's right drones coming to the rescue i think you said
1: yeah that's right there's a uh a uk company um drone defense that uh has has launched a program where um, if if they, they at least in the news article, they pitched it as a, a service for women walking home at, in the evenings, but I mean, I, I think anyone who's being attacked <laughs> could likely use the service where you'd call and be dispatched and would be able to reach your location within the idea is that it'd be within, within four minutes, it would get there equipped with a thermal camera, RGB camera, and a spotlight so that it can start recording uh, evidence or possibly ca- uh, capture some video of, of the attacker um, that might later be able to be used in court. Uh, and I guess, hopefully, the, the, uh, the idea is that this would just um, de- be an extra level of deterrence for people to, uh, to do that type of thing. Uh, so is this something would-
0: that's already, in, they, have they done a demonstration or a, a test flight of this?
1: Yeah, as far as I'm, I believe I read that they had, uh, they had trialed it already and and they had, uh, that's where they came up with their estimate of a four minute uh, time. But yeah. What do you think of this, this type of a service?
0: Uh, well, it looks like, I'm uh, just looking at the article and it, it looks like they're using uh, Mavic 2 Enterprise based on a blurry preview <laughs> screenshot photo there, which makes sense because you can have the, the PA system as well as floodlights, as well as lights and strobes. Like any fast response, to if it's gonna if it's gonna save a life or save someone from being hurt, that's that's incredible. But um, I, the logistics of having a beyond line of sight waiver and and dispatching something so fast, and, and if it's just this, it's it's interesting to see if that would actually be viable in a in a mass fleet, right, and have that thermal camera as well.
1: Yeah, that was where my thoughts were as well. I'm curious to see where it will go. Um, I think it's an interesting idea, but I think that some of these applications are just going to need to be tested. And some of them will probably fail and some of them will succeed. And I really don't know where this one lies. But uh, I I have thoughts about this one as well. Like, um, yeah, I I don't know if that would be a a step up the the deterrence, because I think, you know, generally, when you call for the police, they, I mean, I I think that there's outlier cases all the time, but like, I think that they probably strive to respond within that type of a time frame, anyway. So, but I, I'm definitely speaking uh, outside of my knowledge of expertise here. I don't really know what the uh, the the standard response times are for police in the UK, um, but that would be one of my concerns. But if they can if they can show that it's a, a workable system, then I think that's pretty pretty a pretty good uh, use of of the uh, the drone technology.
0: Yeah. So they said they've done they they started doing this after uh, a person uh, was kidnapped and murdered in South London last year. So a dense populated area. So geographically it's a small area. So the response time would be pretty quick as they were saying. They've, right. they've done, uh, was it? 225 incidents with three drones since 2020 in the last 12 months. So pretty good. But it, it also wow. looks like they're, I, I don't know if this is beyond line of sight or within visual line of sight. There's operations in California where they've they've got a very, Uh, well, a mature program that's actually got quite a bit of drones, like the 300s, Uh, they have some SkyDios, and they have uh, mobile drone operators, as well as fixed-base operators where these drones are ready to take off from and deploy on short notice. And then they actually have visual, basically every member of the police is a visual observer in a remote environment for it, and they can also take control of these drones once they arrive. So things like that. Like there, there's some pretty interesting programs going on with law enforcement. Yeah. I'm yeah. um, kind of in the same vein moving forward. We've got uh firefighting drones.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting again, just because it's a unique application for uh, drones, but there's a uh, uh, company that uh, is, is planning to get drones onto the scene of uh uh, forest fires or I i don't actually I don't know if it was they, in the article they mentioned bushfires and forest fires but I don't know if there was uh, any talk of using this for uh, for urban applications but the idea for forest fires is that um, two things you need to be able to do to fight forest fires more effectively according to the article are get there quickly and be able to assess the scene uh, effectively. Drones can do both of those things so I can see why they would think that this is a, a pretty useful application for uh, for drones. Um, when, when I first read the headline I was like oh but you know they can't carry a substantial weight or volume of water for any for for putting the fires out but that obviously isn't the intent with uh, with this program
0: so it's initial attack and response
1: yeah yeah and that,
0: and that makes sense because i definitely a drone has one advantage over or a full size aircraft is typically they're ready to go on on very short notice. You don't have engine checks and startup time and, and taxi yeah. and clearance and everything else. If it's say it's a drone in the box scenario or remote deployment, it could have some sort of fire suppressant that if it arrives on scene fast enough that it might be a, a meaningful impact on the fire with, with a small amount of fire retardant. Yeah. So switching gears again, we're we're talking about racing here in Vegas. What's going yeah. on there?
1: Yeah, so there's a, a drone racing league uh, crowning its champion in Las Vegas a few nights ago, and uh, I included this story on our uh, on our community site because it again just a sign of, of the times. It's interesting to see sort of larger scale adoption uh, and interest in in drones for recreational purposes, as well as sort of the more uh, business end of, of what you can use drones for. So people are interested in watching the drones racing. They're also interested in, you know, drone light shows that have become quite a thing. So just, just another sign of adoption that I thought was interesting and uh, worth, worth pointing out. Moving on, uh, I, I read about a company, Everdrone, and they've, they've created a... a <laughs> their Everdrone Emergency Medical Aerial Delivery uh, Service, or they, they call it EMAID for short. It's a uh, defibrillator service. <laughs> They've attached a defibrillator to a, a drone, or at least you can deliver it using the drone so that if uh, someone's having uh, uh, some sort of heart problems, you can dispatch a drone with, with a defibrillator that can be used by whoever is you know, there on scene with them. Uh, to be able to help them out. And apparently in Sweden this week there, are, uh, actually I don't know when the date was, the story was posted this week, um, that uh, there was their first successful actual saving of a life using this technology, which I thought was really cool. Uh, another really good use of, of the drone technology. I keep saying the drone technology, like I'm in the 1980s referring to the internet or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: been around a little while now, it's come on, four years, <laughs> five years. Well, that's cool so it looks like it's a mitri 600 with uh, a payload that hangs below it and and that's probably a portable defibrillator and it looks like it kind of drops it down from a line so the drone itself doesn't get close to the scene and create a huge uh downwash or kind of swirl things up or be a, a further hazard to people that are already dealing with something yeah but uh yes he was 71 years old and he was shoveling snow and there was a near, nearby doctor, but they, the drone brought the defibrillator to them, which is definitely gonna to contribute to a successful CPR event. So planting trees, moving on to drone seed technology with uh, Airseed you've got in here from Australia.
1: Yeah, Airseed Technologies, an Australian company has released a drone and it can plant up to 40,000 trees per day per drone. So. Uh, according to uh, the, uh, the company, that's 25 times faster than conventional planting, and it's also 80% cheaper than, uh, than it would be to plant conventionally. Um, so I think that sort of speaks for itself. I can see that this would be a technology that, uh, especially with um, uh, the desire, the increasing desire to plant more and more trees, I could see that this might be a, a big up-and-comer
0: yeah well a personal experience with dealing with tree planting and and the logistics of when uh doing it by helicopter it was slinging in all these trees using a, a, basically a two and a half ton helicopter to do this and of course burning a ton of jet fuel literally uh, bringing the fuel up to the job is and then having to clear out large areas to do this where my understanding of these seed dropping and and tree planting drones there's there's a bunch of them now out there where they can either fire the trees into the ground using pneumatics or drop seeds onto the ground and they're doing it with a high level of precision as well. They've, they're going out and pre-mapping or they're, they're, they've got a good idea where they're doing it and then they're sending the drones out instead of sending out hundreds of people and, and, and collecting this massive amount of labor to, to just put yeah. trees into the ground and it could be a, a multi-month long program
1: yeah i i um i did a fair bit of reading on this story because it just sort of piqued my interest and um they they were talking about um I, I don't know what they call them but there's like little pods basically that they put the seeds inside of that, that are filled with nutrients i think also they uh mentioned that they put um mm. antibiotics in, in in the pods that help them for the first week or maybe first few weeks of of Getting uh a strong yeah, and then it looks like they, I watched a video of them, and it looks like they're shooting them into the ground pneumatically, so, so it's going in with some force, um, which I, I, I suspect they would have tested whether or not that's damaging uh, to the plants at all, and I, I, but I don't know any data, or I don't have any data on that, um, but I, I thought the, the, the technology that they developed with the, their little pods was pretty cool. Um, but there is also, oh shoot, there was something else and it just dropped my, I just left my mind. So I'm just going to drop that right now. We'll just move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Let's start talking about CES, Consumer Electronics Show 2022. Um, it's, it's an in-person event, but I think that the attendance is quite low this year. So of course being pandemic times and everything, um, we didn't make it down, but we did at least keep an eye on the news and see what's going on. So. First one you're going to talk about is hydrogen fuel drone. So take it away.
1: Right. So they, uh, they've come up with a drone that's powered using a uh, hydrogen and uh, then the, uh, the obvious advantage or well, one of the obvious advantages of that there's there's two primary advantages, I guess. Um, the, the biggest sort of operational advantage is that you really <laughs> extend the life of the, uh, the, the, the flight time of the drone. So uh, you're going to be able to fly a much larger mission using uh, uh, hydrogen than you are going to if you're, if you're just using batteries on on more sort of standard drones. And the other advantage that I was uh, alluding to is the uh, the byproduct is water, so it's 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 clean burning, and we're not uh, releasing fossil fuels, mm-hmm. and or, or burning fossil fuels to be able to power the drones. So you're getting the uh, the increased benefit of of using um, a, a, a fuel that's not electricity, but uh, You're minimizing the environmental impact. Something that they didn't mention at all was the the uh, safety related issues that uh, would would be around hydrogen. Um, You know, (laughs) it's it's pretty uh, combustible, so or explosive. So I don't know if it's a if they've really addressed that or how they have, but the article didn't refer to that at all.
0: Right. So this would be considered um, a hybrid drone, right? You've got probably some sort of energy storage and batteries, as well as it's using a fuel cell technology to convert the hydrogen into electricity using uh, a membrane substrate kind of osmosis or a chemical reaction that converts the hydrogen into heat and water, and I think it's, is it carbon dioxide, it's a byproduct or oxygen, but it's like the reverse of using electrolysis, where you put electricity into water To create hydrogen and oxygen. If you combine hydrogen and oxygen, you get electricity back out, but you also get water back out. So it's the reverse process of it. And so if efficiency is great, then you've got this hybrid power plant that's good for potentially hours instead of minutes. And like we've seen already in the consumer world, battery technology is getting so good that we're now up to 45 minutes for the the mavic 3 that's a seven or eight hundred gram or 900 gram drone but in the bigger drone environment where that you start getting into heavy lift and you've got a high consumption level and high demand and amperage your your batteries scale proportionally to the size of your drone so you're now spending energy to take that energy into the air and if it's if it's so many watt hours per kilogram and now you've got kilograms of batteries while the the uh, joules, the, the, the measurement of energy of hydrogen is so much more dense than any other uh, electrical supply. So, and then like you said, it's comparing to running a, a gas powered or a piston powered generator to be a hybrid drone, you've got something that's uh, quite a bit more energy uh, and environmentally friendly. So that's really cool. I'm, I'm a huge fan of hybrid drones. I think it's the next big step um, battery tech is always going to continuously get better, but in the short term, the quantum leap, I guess, from yeah. an hour long mid-sized drone to a high, high endurance, long range, high lift drone is going to be some sort of, it's going to burn some sort of carbon, right? Some sort of hydrocarbon being or, or hydrogen or something like that. So yeah. it's, it's more than just a battery.
1: Something else that I was thinking about when I read this story and I don't I'm just curious about your thoughts about this. I, I was wondering whether or not people would uh, or whether or not this would end up being a, a driving factor towards uh, developing or building out the, uh, the 5g network even more so than it is or than there already are more of an economic driving force because if, if there is a, a use for drones and, like and the reason that I'm mentioning this is because uh, the hydrogen fuel cell drones, are they're trying to pair them with 5G technology so, uh, so that you can operate beyond visual line of sight. Um, and I was just wondering whether y- whether or not you thought that that was something that might actually uh, sort of contribute towards the, the push to build out the 5G network
0: more? Well, for sure. If, if a drone's got longer endurance than, and you're still limited to visual line of sight for operating this drone, then you're, you've, you're, you're either it's because you need to have something fairly heavy in the air for a long period of time in a limited area, or you need that endurance because a drone needs to go a longer distance and if it's going a longer distance it's probably going beyond line of sight so that means that you need some sort of command and control that is probably going to be 5G for and 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 4G exists and it's it's there and it's very robust but 5G would drive higher quality video and and higher bit rate links and probably lower latency as well so the time between the drone sending a signal to you and you your software reacting with another command or getting data that you can interpret and, and react to quickly. So uh, it's yeah. going to be something that until more robust, lower satellite like lower orbit satellite technology comes out, that would that would probably be the the real killer app for drone deployment at a at a yeah. real global scale. Yeah. So uh,
1: hurry, hurry up, Elon.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, So let's get into hardware that was also launched at CES. We've got the Skydio 2 Plus. Um, Not a major update to it. I think there was some anticipation for like a Skydio 3. The 3 was like the big number for 2021, 2022, but uh, so far they've gone with 2 Plus. The main differences are it's got a longer flight time. It's now 27 minutes of airtime and a longer transmission and control range, uh, 3 kilometers. Uh, It was Wi-Fi based before, so I think it was not great for range. So now they've gone to a proprietary five gigahertz radio, that line of sight, they're they're claiming three kilometers or 3000 meters. Visually, it looks the same. It's still got the the six cameras, the three on the top and the three on the bottom for autonomous flight. And it has two new flip-up antennas that look like they're on the front there. So that's going to give it a bit more range mechanically. Uh, main thing also they they announced was their new keyframes feature where you can pre position spots in 3d space and have the drone then fly those keyframes kind of like keyframes in animation. Um, so it's similar, but different, but the same as hyperlapse tech would be on DJI based drones. So you, you have an ABCD point, the main difference with Skydio and, and one of their, their, big marketing and selling points has always been that the drone flies in its own point cloud. So it it has a real time 360 degree obstacle avoidance and it builds a point cloud in real time. So it knows where it is in relation to all the obstacles around. And it's been very good at very small objects like branches with no leaves on it. That's something that sometimes other drones have had problems with. It's got a bunch of skills that are like pre-programmed shots it is you can fly the drone manually, but but it is pitched towards being an autonomous drone. So it's got a, a wrist strap that follows you, or you carry in your pocket, so it'll it'll follow you in action sports. It's it's not one of the big things from our perspective in Canada. Is it's a I can't remember how much it is, but it's definitely over 250 grams. Uh, it's it's probably like a 900 to a kilogram in weight. So you need to maintain line of sight. Um, It is certified for advanced operations. It's got a safety assurance declaration, so you can use it in controlled airspace and and near people. But uh, you are pilot in command, even though it's an autonomous drone, you're still pilot in command. You're still responsible for what that drone can and can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. So if it hits someone, it's you that's flying the drone, even if your hand wasn't on the controller, you need to have a means to take over control of the drone on a instant notice immediately to prevent some sort of hazard or some sort of accident. So you see a lot of marketing material where the the drone is uh, chasing vehicles. Right. And and what's the law in Canada about uh, operating a drone while operating a vehicle, Mark?
1: Yeah, well, you you, uh, you can't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if, if you want to chase a vehicle with any drone, and be it the Skydio or something else, you need to have either a pilot do it for you or you're the pilot and someone else is driving the vehicle. Right. So, and uh-huh. and, and uh, they can't be your visual observer either if they're operating a vehicle, any kind of vehicle. So they can be on a moving platform, but they can't be doing something else. They have to be dedicated to the task, be it flying the drone or being a visual observer. That's my, right. my rough, but not concrete interpretation of that. And it's, so we see a lot of uh, adventure videos coming out with drones these days and it's, you'll see it's like, oh, this was like a solo shoot. There may have not been multiple people involved and should think yeah. twice about doing that with a drone that's over 250 grams. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure.
1: Do you know, I, I took a look on the, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but I look a, looked at this on the website when I, when I heard about it because I, I, I especially thought that the keyframe feature was pretty cool. Do you know if you're using the keyframe key feature, um, is the pilot controlling the camera or, or is that also controlled through the keyframe feature or is the keyframe feature just contru- uh, uh, flying the route?
0: I'm not sure. There's, there's multiple ways that it works. That there, There's target tracking, So you can have it track a target and move the drone in 3D space, Um, kind of like spotlight or point of interest mode on drones. The the keyframe mode um, can move through a predefined path and then have it track an object, or you could have it use AI to recognize an object, I believe, and, and identify, like follow the car that's in the shot or follow the person that's in the shot, find the person and then follow them, I think depending right. on if you're using the, the GPS tracker wrist, wrist, wrist add on for it as well. So there's some pretty cool okay. stuff that I'm not sure. Look at that shot, I sure. saw
1: that. I, I, w- I was impressed by that shot that's on the screen right now, because yeah. the, the, the drone is sailing along, comes up above the horizon where it's perfectly matching the, the speed of the, uh, the person on whatever they're on.
0: Now, is a one wheel uh, a vehicle? <laughs> we want to get that yeah, deep no. into this discussion at this point or leave that one for another day? What defines a vehicle? <laughs> it's got batteries, it, it moves on its own. So um I guess yeah, the question would be can you use your well, you're operating a bicycle. So I would stick to the sub 250 category just to be safe in that situation. For and sure. I'm so, assuming
1: here, of course, that they obviously had a, a second pilot. They, you know, yeah, they were doing well, things- of doing the <laughs> For this
0: marketing stuff, of course, there's multiple pilots and people for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, talking about sub 250 stuff, let's move into, uh, there was an innovation award honoree uh, for airselfiecamera.com. <laughs> It's a little bit hard to find the website. I had to do a little bit of digging, but uh, it's the Air Neo. It's Air Selfie's fourth generation. It's a fully autonomous camera, so it uses uh, visual recognition. You hand launch it, hand fly it, use hand gestures to move the drone forward or backward or left or right. It has uh, the ability to do 4K video, I believe. I'm going to have to double check that one, but... It does have 360, orbit, zoom, wide, and then video modes, and it's using AI and facial detection to do all this. So it's it's a completely hands-off yeah. selfie drone, and it's self-contained. The props are inside a little square. You can see it's a little box. Um, it doesn't look like it has any kind of gimbal, so it's going to be uh, software-stabilized or electronically stabilized. So... Probably not the best video experience out there compared to bigger drones that you're more familiar with, but, uh, kind of something you could throw in the bag and have a quick selfie as long as it's under 250 grams, which I believe it is. We're going to bring up the link here as we're talking just to be safe. Um, oh, it's a crowdfunder. Let's see if they have the specifications for it. Um, so the Airpix is, I don't think they've got their new one. The, the new one is called the Air Neo. This is the Air Pix. Uh, let's see. Is there specifications for the Air Pix? Oh, well, it's pocketable. It's pretty tiny. So I'm gonna. I'm. I think it's safe to assume that it's under 250 grams, which means that you're. You've got a fair bit of flexibility, and it's fairly low cost, 120 US dollars. 12 megapixel camera. This one's 1080p at 30 frames a second. So. And it looks like the image quality at the, the video that's on screen here kind of looks like a cell phone. It's a pretty small sensor. So, yeah. right. And, and, and for a $120 drone, that's kind of a cool, quick and easy thing. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be under 250. So it's something that you can, from a, from a transport Canada perspective, you can fly pretty much everywhere except for restricted airspace or near emergencies and events, as long as you make sure you fly safely and, and, Don't violate cars 906. If you want to know more about micro drones, we're going to talk about another one here, but we do have a course about micro drones and currently it's free. So check out our website for information about that. So yeah, in the vein of micro drones, another one that uh, I've been really hoping to see in the wild soon is the Autel Robotics Nano. So the new Nanos, let me bring that up on screen here as we're talking. They have two different versions but they are both under 250 grams so they're 249 grams as specified and they have like we we know the one that started the industry the mavic mini Um, one of the big features that the autel has is obstacle avoidance sensors it has front back and downward facing sensors so it's going to be a little bit more crash-resistant. I wouldn't say crash-proof. I don't think any drone is crash-proof other than if it was just a beach ball with a camera inside. (laughs) But uh, it's going to be more crash-resistant than a Mini Mini 2 Mini SE would be because it actually has a bit of an awareness of where it is. Uh, Some other standout features that it has. and, And remember, this is a 249 micro drone, so it's exempt from licensing requirements. You can fly it in controlled airspace. You can fly it uh, near people, you can fly it over people as long as you're safe and how you do that. Um, again, big thing is the car's 900 decimal 06 rule. Um, but it has, so there's two versions there's a the Nano and the Nano Plus. The Nano has a one half inch sensor, which is fairly large for a, a small drone. It's got a 48 megapixel image size. Um, they're claiming this one's 1.6 microns per pixel. So Um, Fairly dense, fairly small pixels, uh, and it's got a fixed aperture, so it's f 2.8, which means uh, every image is going to be at a certain lightness. It does have manual control and it has portrait mode, so it'll do uh, background blurring around uh, subjects in your photos. It will shoot raw photos at 10 bits. and. I think the 48 megapixels is a pixel shift. So that means it's a software thing. It, it uh, It's a 12 megapixel camera that takes four photos and then merges them together. We've seen that before in the Mavic Air 2 as a, a high resolution photo mode. It's not necessarily a better image. It's just more, right? It's when you <laughs> zoom them both in to 100%, it's just more. It's It's kind of like watching the old sci-fi movies like uh, blade runner where he says enhance <laughs> <It's, laughs> you can't pull high resolution photos from a, a 12 megapixel sensor and call it 40 or 50 or 60 megapixels uh, unless you're using a lot of software to do it so right. uh, i'd love to see it in person and and be proven wrong and i'd love to see that because uh the plus version has a 50 megapixel one 2.8 inch sensor so it's a slightly larger sensor with a higher resolution count um, and they're saying that the pixel size is almost double it's a 2.4 micron instead of a 1.6 and why does that matter bigger pixels means better low light sensitivity right so if the the pixels or the little wire sensors in the back of the sensor in the cmos sensor the camera sensor are bigger going to be less noise so if it's darker out the images in theory are going to be better quality Uh, the size of the lens is also bigger it's an f 1.9 aperture and it's roughly the same size physically they're both about the same they both shoot 4k video in both standard and hdr formats Um, it will shoot 24 frames a second and 30 frames a second in 4k and 60 frames a second in 1080 roughly 100 megabits per second and it will also do raw time lapses in 4k and it has a panorama mode so pretty dang cool these drones are a fair bit more expensive than the mavic minis they're i believe around a thousand dollars to twelve hundred dollars canadian so that's uh let's say 900 to a thousand dollars us i think is roughly where they're at so Bit of a jump in price, but yeah. uh, quite a bit of features compared to the minis. Um, and so I believe they're already shipping now, but uh, I haven't seen them in stores. Autel's not a big retail distribution. They don't have a lot of brick and mortar stores. So you're going to have to do a bit of searching around to find a vendor that sells them probably online. So moving on from c e s twenty twenty two we've got uh x dynamics, a company I've never heard of, and it was new to me but um it's actually got a pretty compelling offering in their drone oh, and i didn't mean to i'm not going to show that when I actually edit this video <laughs> <laughs> i want to show you the drone itself and not and bury the lead a little bit on the information because okay, well, we'll just say it anyway it's expensive um but <laughs> Everything seems to be getting more expensive in this day and age. It's uh 3699 for the drone, and that comes with one battery, six props, and a lens. And that's the important thing about this drone that I think is interesting. This drone has an interchangeable lens, four-thirds, micro four-thirds sensor. Uh, what other drone has that, Mark?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't well, think there, any. there is one I know of for sure. Oh. It's uh, quite a bit more expensive. It's the Inspire 2 Pro with the X7 camera. And the X7 camera I think is around three grand on its own. So things get expensive quickly. And the Inspire, like to build on an Inspire kit, you're looking at, um, I think it's like seven to $10,000 US basically by the time you get everything you need to fly. So the X-Dynamics Evolve 2, is roughly the shape of a phantom. It looks like it's got that traditional four four prop square multi rotor setup, fixed landing gear. It's carbon fiber frame, uh, so it's light but strong. It's under two kilograms in the air. It has a full three hundred and forty degree. No, sorry, wrong wrong drone. Too many notes. It's got a, <laughs> a full gimbal for the micro four thirds. It uses um, Olympus style lens mount. So there's a huge ecosystem of these lenses out there, and it's the same ecosystem that uh, the, the X5S drone uses as well. Sorry, I was talking about the X7 on the, on the DJI earlier. It's actually the X5S from my memory and the X5. Uh, it has, what else is in here that's important to note? Yeah, so the resolution is 12 megapixels of the sensor, which actually is not a bad thing. We're just talking about big pixels on on image sensors. This is a uh, four third sensor, so it's it's uh, almost well, it's it's uh, double the size at least I think of a one inch almost sensor. It's it's at least one and a half times bigger, and so these there's less pixels per inch on this sensor. So that means it's going to have, in theory, really good low light performance. It will shoot 4K video at 120 frames a second, uh, up to 100 megabit bitrate. And also another thing that's really important, it supports Apple ProRes built in. So it will shoot ProRes in 4K at 24 frames a second in ProRes 422 codec. Uh, It'll shoot a bunch of different resolutions uh, and speeds in ProRes proxy, and it'll also do 30 frames a second in ProRes LT, so you've got some choices at different bitrate levels and and some flexibility. And, and what that means is you've got a higher quality image coming out of the drone compared to standard H.264 or 265 MP4 format that most consumer and some professional drones only shoot in. The it comes with its own dedicated smart controller. Uh, it's a dual screen controller. It's got a thousand net display. Uh, It's eight inches on the top. And then there's a smaller display that shows the control panel information. It has HDMI out. Um, It looks like you can mount it on a tripod. So it's like a a framed ground control unit as well. So you can do some streaming with it and casting. Um, The ground control interface on the software looks very familiar. People that are flying with DJI GO 4 would feel very at home with the software, just looking at some screenshots of it um i'd have to go back into mine and i'll I'll throw it in here afterwards but uh it's it's definitely something that uh would in theory looking at everything that they've offered on this it's a pretty neat product it's pretty compelling uh and that that 36.99 us that i was mentioning it does come with a battery six props and a lens so it's a complete package and uh 11 kilometers of range 53 miles an hour 33 minutes of flight time so um, I don't know. It's, I'm always hesitant to look at new third party drones. Like, like the world, the market is so dominated by DJI right now, but there are some really compelling other products out there. And, and this X Dynamics one, from a cinematography perspective, could potentially be a, a pretty cool drone. I'd love to see one in action and, and get a shot at it.
1: I, I, I really like the ability to uh, swap the lenses out. Um, when I was getting into drones a couple of years ago and I bought my first drone, I was really a little bit uh, disappointed that uh, y- you know you have to be spending a really serious amount of money before you're, you're going to get a drone that allows you to do that. So this is a, a relatively low price point for that
0: capability,
1: but it's still very expensive.
0: Well, and, and it's going to go into my next one that we talk about here, but interchangeable lens cameras alone or $1,000 usually for some sort of interchangeable lens, decent camera. And then if you're building something, you need a gimbal. Well, a gimbal could be a thousand bucks and up. A lens could be $500 and up for a good quality lens. And then we haven't even talked about the drone and the drones are something that can carry this kind of payload. So so in in the DJI world, it's it's the fan or the Inspire and up that have the ability to carry a modular payload, but something like an interchangeable lens camera while you're you're getting into the matrice series or the flame wheels, the old, the old school days where you had the, the, the build it yourself and hope it doesn't uh, (laughs) flip over on its back. As soon as you start the props kind of drones. Yeah. I I don't I'm curious. So the company is five years old. Nope. Sorry. What year are we in 2022? Seven years old and they're headquartered in Hong Kong. So they've been around a while. Huh. Uh, they've got offices in the US, Japan, and China. And uh, this is their second generation drone, the Evolve 2. So I, I'm curious. I'm going to try and see if we can get a hold of someone and see if we can take a look at it, because that would be pretty cool. That would, yeah. um, so moving on from prosumer, like like definitely a pro... Fo- this is a pro-focused drone. I, that's safe to say. I don't think it has any obstacle avoidance or anything. It is... It is definitely something that you want to be an experienced pilot to fly. I didn't see uh, cameras on it or anything like that for, for point cloud obstacle right. avoidance. Right. Let's talk about the, the big name in cameras, the, the OG when it comes to Betamax and Super 8 and everything. It's Sony <clears throat> and the Airpeak that was launched uh it was what was it announced two years ago now a year and a half ago uh i think it started shipping this fall it was supposed to start supposed to ship in december and it's designed pretty much exclusively to fly the sony a7 full frame interchangeable lens camera um it's apparently on display at ces i don't i was trying to find if there's any more information about it or or any news or updates about shipping and availability uh H photo video out of the states they're there they've got it in stock they were one of the launch partners i think for it you you it's not officially being sold in canada at this point um i'm not really upset about that and and it's kind of kind of disappointing i, I was really excited to see sony enter the drone market and and bring that engineering and experience and and diversity that they've got and everything else they've done um i i my first video camera was a sony in like 1988 and it still works it's still in a box somewhere and it still works perfectly fine um other than the fact that it's 1988 technology but um the camera tech in this uh, okay the first thing the, the big thing that stands out is the price this is a $9,000 US drone. Uh, I would position it in terms of competition, pretty much at like a fully kitted Inspire 2 with an X7 or um, like it's a full frame. So it's a bigger, it's a bigger sensor, but the X7 is, is already um, an APS-C size sensor. Like it's, it's a fairly large sensor camera. But that $9,000 gets you the drone. It it doesn't get you a gimbal. It doesn't get you the camera. It doesn't get you more than two batteries. Um, That's pretty much it.
1: Well, let's and, be fair. It gets you 12 minutes of flight time if it's fully loaded.
0: Yeah, so that's the other part of this. <laughs> that hurts. 12 minutes of flight time with a five pound payload limit. Yeah. So, with I don't know yeah. what you're going to use it for, and and I'm I'm really curious to see what the sales numbers are on this, and and how it's doing because it's uh it's designed to work with a, a third-party manufactured uh, gimbal, the Grumzy T3, the gimbal for the camera is twenty one ninety nine U S dollars, <laughs> so we're at let's start adding this up here. We're at nine thousand for the drone twenty. 200, let's call it 2,000. So 11,000 for the the drone and the gimbal. Uh, Let's say you're using an A7S, uh, whatever the current generation is, that's probably three and a half thousand dollars Canadian. So that's what, $2,800. So we're at $15,000 and we haven't bought memory cards. (laughs) So, and we've only got one battery I assume for the camera. And, and you're good for 12 minutes of flight time with a battery. And I think it comes with two batteries, uh, but it, and I'm still, it, it doesn't, yeah, it takes both batteries to fly that 12 minutes. So those two batteries are both for that one flight. So yeah, interesting, right?
1: I can, I can see what you mean when you say that you're uh, not so sad that it's not selling in Canada
0: yeah it's something that it, it could be really cool it's fast i think it was 50 or 60 miles an hour speed yeah. but and and it does have obstacle avoidance it flies in its own point cloud um i don't think it's full 360 but it does have quite a bit of obstacle avoidance but it's, it's a first entry and and it's important to applaud an entry into this market because it's a saturate. it's not a saturated market at all for choice it's it's definitely a there's a limited choice of manufacturers in this market for for something that's got this kind of manufacturing capacity, right? Sony is one of the largest electronics manufacturers in the world, uh, and and for them to be building a drone is a good thing. It's just yeah. unfortunate that I'm not sure who their market is because a professional drone pilot out there is it's it's covering. It's right in the middle of the market the transition between the the Inspire 2 Pro kind of pilot to the someone that's going to be flying uh, a larger camera like a Red they're probably looking at either uh, an old school Matrice or they're probably moving on to the Freefly like the Alta X or something now that's that's a big drone in the in the cinema industry and it's got way more flight time, way more performance and way more payload capability uh so that's and and I I'm not gonna say price, but I'm pretty sure when I last looked at it, the price point was very similar. So yeah. it's 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 uh, more of a niche product there there's uh they're they're a boutique manufacturer up here in the Pacific Northwest, but they've got a better product
1: <laughs> in yeah. my
0: opinion. So yeah, it's it's something that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I would have a hard time justifying the price. And again, like you say, I'm not sure exactly how I'd use it. But, I mean, you'd take it off and you'd fly it and point it at things and take photos. But, you know, it seems like there's better options um, in yeah. terms of, you know, price points and and capabilities.
0: But, again, it's another option in the market. It's good. We need more.
1: Yeah. And like you say, good for Sony for getting out there and, and uh, putting yeah. their hat in the ring.
0: Yeah, I'd still love to try and fly it. Yeah. So let's move into kind of our top questions that we were talking about here. And so basic, the, one of the ones that we get a lot of are people asking if you need to have your basic pilot certificate before you get your advanced. And what's the answer there, Mark?
1: Absolutely not. You can just get your advanced or if you don't need the advanced, you can just get the basic. No need to get the basic prior to getting the advanced.
0: Exactly, it's an or situation, not a both. Yeah. So a
1: disjunctive or. Because yeah. I studied logic in university, so that's where that got me. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, the the advantage um, of the uh, why am I saying advantage? I have no advantages. You go ahead and talk,
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, like, the advanced licensing pro- or certification process, I, I, I use licensing and certification interchangeably because um, Transport does as well. If you, if you Google drone licensing on Transport, it will bring you to a licensing information page, which also happens to say certification, so I always have to caveat that. But the process to getting your advanced pilot certificate in Canada is study for the exam do the exam the online uh transport small advanced exam it once you've done that exam if you pass so 80 uh you get 60 minutes and there's 50 50 questions,
1: 50 questions. questions.
0: um so if you get oh, 80 percent that. passing uh, that's a passing grade you will be issued a basic certificate so you don't need to have a basic certificate to start with Once you've done that, you then have to do the in-person flight review. That flight review, upon successfully completing that, we will upload your results. If we were doing it at Coastal Drone, we would upload the results to Transport Canada, and then you're issued an Advanced Pilot Certificate the same day. So the Advanced Pilot Certificate is proof that you've passed the advanced exam. doesn't matter if you've done the basic and proof that you've successfully completed a flight review with a Transport Canada accredited flight reviewer that is that is affiliated with uh, a self-declared flight training organization like Coastal Drone. Um, so yeah, doing the basic is great. It's a great stepping stone if you're not sure. It's, it's certainly, uh, having any certification is important, but you don't have to jump through multiple hoops and, and delay your licensing or certification process if you think that or or if you know that you're going to need an advanced. And and that, that kind of goes next question, like who needs an advanced? Well, anyone that wants to fly near people, right? So if you're going to be closer than 100 feet from people, if the drone weighs more than 250 grams, we're talking, if, if you want to fly in controlled airspace, if you want to fly uh, over people with a drone that's approved to fly over people or if you want to fly within three nautical miles or five kilometers of an airport or a certified aerodrome or within one nautical mile or three kilometers of a heliport or a hospital so this is pretty much guaranteed that any city major city in canada there's probably a hospital heliport nearby or there's controlled airspace that overlaps the city or there's a certified airport within five kilometers. So or pedestrians (laughs) uh, or pedestrians. And that's that's the other thing. If you are say, and and this is another important we will probably talk about it every every podcast, but you don't need to have an advance to do a commercial operations. There is no distinction between basic or advanced for commercial or for profit or not um, like in the States. But if you're going to run a business, you wanna have as many options as possible and you don't wanna sell yourself short by only having a basic and, and having to say no to a customer and say, no, I can't fly here because I only have my basic, it's gonna be a couple of weeks or or a week or however quickly I can I can get the advanced done. Uh, but it's, it's something that you don't wanna be telling your customer no and lose out on a business opportunity. That could be, it could have paid for your advanced certificate easily, right? It's one job could pay for the cost of, the advanced pilot course, and, and the certification costs that come with it. So it's it's something that you wanna be considering if you're developing a business around flying drones. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and shameless plug, we offer a comprehensive course. It's 599. It includes all the ground school you need. It includes the sample test questions. It's 350 questions I think are in the test bank and it's completely randomized. There are a lot of questions in the test bank. And, and there are a lot of questions on the Transport Canada exam that, that aren't necessarily specific to drones at the moment. Um, so we try to cover everything that's required for the, the Transport Canada requirements for TP15263. And then we move into setting up your standard operating procedures. We've got a, an SOP guide included in the course that shows you how to do site surveys, how to build out your checklist based on the drone that you fly, and make sure that you're compliant with all the requirements that transport has for every flight that you do. Right. There are there are set out requirements that are more than just making sure you don't hit someone with your drone. Yeah. Uh, the other part of that bundle is the flight review. So we'll help you get ready for the test. You can do the test with Transport Online at any time. Once you've done that, we then book your flight review with one of our flight reviewers across Canada. Uh, at this point, I think we've got almost or just over 30 reviewers and they're pretty much in every province and pretty much every city, major city in Canada, we've got someone within a reasonable driving distance to you. And that's all prepaid for within the the course bundle. So it's definitely something to check out on our website, coastaldrone.co, of course. And, uh, and if you have any questions about it, we've got a live chat right on our website that you can, you can talk to us anytime and we're happy to answer questions or email us or phone us. That's totally fine speaking of flight reviews uh the next one we've seen and we actually went to transport to get confirmation on this because it was something that made sense but we weren't sure for for sure and i know you talked to the mark so i'm going to ask you the question and you you go through and tell me what the answers are yeah sure can i do a flight review indoors
1: absolutely so uh when i spoke with transport about this they said that um uh, when we do a flight review we typically set it set you up so that you have a two scenarios that you need to plan for one is a, a pretend scenario that you're not going to fly the other is the the real scenario that you are going to fly on your flight review the purpose of the pretend scenario that you're not going to fly is when we do the flight reviews quite often we're in basic uh, a basic environment so it's not controlled airspace there's not people around or at least within hundred feet. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty simple scenario. So we, we also task you with preparing another scenario that is more complicated. So we might say, hey, why don't we plan to do a flight downtown Toronto? Um, we're gonna uh, you know film a school or something, but it's gonna be a, a, an environment that's not very, very simple so that we can then quiz you on the things that you need to know. We can ascertain whether or not you know those things. And then we can carry on with a flight review portion of the, the, the actual flight, flying your uh, your drone and, and completing that portion of it. So when we set up the pretend scenario and the the real flight scenario, that also works pretty well for this the, the idea of, of completing the uh, flight review indoors. Because by running through all of the scenarios that we're going to uh, face you with, with the pretend scenario, we know that you can answer those questions. So we know that you're safe to be able to make the decisions to, to go forward with forward with that type of a flight, right? Uh, and then for the actual flight, we can we can give you sort of a more basic scenario and say, okay, so now what are we going to do for the real flight? And where that gets into the uh, flying the the flight review indoors is we we've been able to meet the requirements of the the more complicated airspace by having our pretend scenario, and then we've we've eliminated or we've taken care of all of those requirements. The remaining requirements we can uh meet with, by flying the drone indoors and completing your flight review in that way there are a few exceptions or uh, things to note you'd have to have an adequately large space so you can't do this in your living room you're gonna have to have like a gymnasium or maybe some sort of a community hall with a high ceiling so that you're going to be able to have a large area to operate within Mm-hmm.
0: Um and uh other things that oh, I stand true for it, it kind of crossover from the outdoors is you still need to have a drone that's uh 250 grams and registered right yeah so you, and and like you're mentioning indoors there's going to be some accommodations for scenarios that you can't do inside that you would normally do outside so judging distance um you're going to have to either Use a visual assessment, or say, okay, roughly how many feet is this whatever it is away? That's part of the requirement: is is understanding the ability to judge altitude and distance from your drone. Yeah. Um. And and you're gonna still need to demonstrate a safe takeoff and flight and and safe landing and 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 some other exercises during the the review. So your drone, um, whichever one you bring to the review, needs to be safely operable indoors, right? So if it you're you're probably not going to have GPS reception, so it might be in Addy mode. So you're you're probably going to want to be prepared for that and have some experience flying your drone using either optical positioning or Addy mode or or some other non-standard flight mode that it's still capable of doing. That's within the limits of the drone. Yeah. If your drone can't be safely flown indoors, it's probably not the right drone for that review. And and, and I guess it's important that we mention that the reason we we asked this is, is the weather's, weather's not ideal for, for quite a, a large portion of Canada. Uh, it's too cold, it's, it's gonna be below the limitations of the drone that you would normally fly, or it's raining and, and there's no limitation at all for, for precipitation on the drone. So yeah. it's, it's not the first choice for doing a flight review. The first choice is always gonna be outdoors but it's if there's no other options and it's time critical, you've got a job coming up and you need to get your drone in the air and you only have a certain time frame for doing it. If, if there's a, a local gym that's willing to accommodate, it's probably a rental fee or something involved. Um, if, if they'll approve it, obviously you need to ask permission. You don't want to just show up at your community gym with a drone that would not go well. Yeah. Um, uh, it's an option that's, that's out there that is, that is approved. And I've, I'm, I'm glad we got confirmation on it because there have been scenarios where it's just way too cold and, and we're, we're scrambling to figure out how we were gonna do flight reviews. And instead of bringing people for travel or, or moving people around the country to warmer spots, as nice as that would be, now we, we can find a big gym or, or an, a soccer field. So it's definitely yeah. something we're talking about and considering. Uh, so let's kind of move on. We're, we're running along here in time. It's great though. Lots of good information and conversation this week. Uh, so coming up next week, we've got a YouTube episode. Um, it's going to be talking about logbook requirements for drones. And this is going to be live on the 12th of January. So next Wednesday, Mark, can you give me a quick like 10 second point of what's going to be in it for information that's required?
1: Yeah, sure. Record your flight time, record maintenance that has been done to the drone. So that can be swapping a propeller or removing an engine. Uh, And then also make sure that you keep your records, the flight time records, one year, the maintenance records, two years. If you sell your drone, make sure you give the maintenance records over. Don't worry about giving them your pilot records. Boom, did it.
0: That was more than 10 seconds. Yeah. Now we don't need to shoot the video. No, there's tons of information about it. It's uh, Mark's written a great article. We'll be recording that hopefully tomorrow and have it live for next week. Uh, And then kind of wrapping it up here. So we've got uh, another one coming up and this happens every year, but uh, we're planning to do this in mid to late February. It's going to be our recency seminar. So, Every 24 months drone pilots have to do some sort of recency exercise. This involves either filling out the self-directed PDF document uh, and being aware of any changes in the regulations. You can do a flight review if you haven't done one. Uh, you can do the, the next level or retake one of the online exams if you wanted to redo the basic or redo the advanced or, or take the advanced and use it as an opportunity to upgrade or you can attend a recency seminar. And and this is what we offer right now. We've got one that we did last year in 2021 and it's been recorded. You can purchase that one. If if you're coming up on your recency right now and you need something right away, we've got ours pre-recorded. It's $50 and you can attend the seminar. There's quizzes at the end of it and interactive questions, and you will get a certificate that proves that you've completed it. You would then hold that certificate and it's a valid representation of your recency. So we're planning on doing a new one and re-recording it for the year coming in mid to late February. And we'll ensure that it is also approved and meets the requirements and that all the information it'll be updated for current laws. And we'll have some discussions about human factors and, and decision making. It'll, it'll be an, uh, an interactive live webinar, so you'll be able to ask us questions that will then be saved for everyone else to benefit from later. So we're excited for that. How do you get involved? How do you know about it? Well, sign up to our mailing list on our website. We'll be sending out registration information in the next couple of weeks here so that you can sign up for it. It'll be the same cost. It'll be $50 to attend the webinar, um, but you'll have access to it for the full year. So if you can't make the live date, you'll you'll have automatically information. And people that buy from today onward, if you buy the the current webinar, will also include you in the upcoming one. So you'll get updated information for twenty twenty two if you if you're buying the recency seminar from today, January sixth onward, twenty twenty two. So thanks a lot. Um, that's going of wrap it up there we're, we're a nice long episode and apologize for the length, but uh, it's good information hopefully and you found some value in it. I appreciate you tuning in and sticking to the end. If you have any questions about getting a licensed drone certification or going through the process, if you are looking to fly basic, advanced, or even micro, uh, the small drones, we have a course for you. If you're a beginner or an advanced professional, and you're looking to upgrade your skills, we also have a course for you. Our courses are all online, on-demand, HD video with interactive questions, quizzes, and downloadable documents. And we also have our interactive private student community where you can come and ask questions, engage with us directly. Um, we It was very short notice, but you could have attended this podcast as it was being recorded live as a fly on the wall. but. Uh, Hopefully the next one will give everyone a heads up and we'll get some live questions and we'll have that live virtual studio audience for our podcast and they can keep us on task because I know Mark and I like to ramble quite a bit. So I appreciate you coming by. Uh, if you have any information, visit us on the web at CoastalDrone.co or on social at coastaldroneco, Co. Or you can email us at info at Coastal Drone Co. I'm going to say goodbye and thank you very much. And Mark's going to say goodbye.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.